Well, good morning. My name's Stan Gale, and as most of you know, I'll be filling the pulpit for uh, Max while he is on sabbatical. I guess you could call me a stand-in. I had attended uh, Metacroft for a few months, uh, and I came one Sunday and uh, parked and came in the door, and the uh, greeter opened the door for me, and he said, uh, welcome, guy who sits in the back. <laughs> well, for the next few months, I guess I'll be known as the guy who stands up front. So. In my time with you, we're going to be working through the book of James. Now, James is an extraordinarily pastoral letter to its very core. James uh, ministers to believers who are scattered and going through all sorts of uh, hardship and afflictions, just like we do in our lives. And he ministers to them with truth and grace. The book of James uh, addresses a variety of themes. It talks about trials and wisdom, talks about sin and temptation, spiritual warfare, all sorts of things, but the overarching theme, the overriding theme, the book of James has to do with faith. And throughout the book, James is going to impress upon us two questions. Is our faith real and is our faith growing? And he's going to ask those questions in a number of different ways and answer them in a number of different ways to flesh out our understanding of what faith is. Well, after James introduces himself in verse 1, the very first things he, talk, things he talks about is trials. And actually, that reminds me, I never read the text. So let me, let me uh, read James 1, verses 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The title of this morning's message is Take on Trials. So let me pray, please. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord Jesus, we sit at your feet. Holy Spirit, who has given us this word and who illumines our mind. We pray, O Lord, our God, that you would be glorified in our midst. We ask that as you have inhabited the praises of your people, so you would inhabit the preaching of your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, after James introduces himself in verse 1, the very first thing he talks about is trials. Uh, several years ago, a, a well-known Christian author and a now retired pastor, John Piper, wrote an article 
That article is entitled, Don't Waste Your Cancer. Don't Waste Your Cancer. And the idea was that cancer is a trial. And he's saying that the cancer, the trial of cancer, as with any trial in our lives, should not simply be weathered by us. The whole idea is not just to get through the trial, not to get it behind us. And he encourages us not to waste our trial. Rather, we are to welcome it in our lives as an opportunity and with expectation. And that's what James teaches. James begins by laying out three things that he wants us to take into account when we face trials. Three things. First, trials carry God's purpose for us. God's uh, trials carry God's purpose for us. Um, I go to uh, my local YMCA a few times a week. I get some cardio in on the treadmill, and then I do a little strength training on these uh, this circuit of workout stations. Uh, each of the little workout stations targets a particular muscle group, and you can adjust the weights according to you know, where you are and the Um, your own personal goals. Well, that's how James wants us to understand the trials of our lives. Now, when you think of trials, what do you think about? You think of uh, uh, pain and unpleasantness, hardship. You know, trials are something that uh, we kind of want to avoid. But for the Christian, trials are hardships sanctified by our Father in heaven and tailored to our individual need for the exercise of our faith. Let me say that again. For the Christian, trials are hardships sanctified by our Father in heaven, tailored to our particular needs for the exercise of our faith. Uh, In His perfect providence, our sovereign God brings to us what He knows will work for our spiritual growth. Uh, Our closing song today is Like a River, Glorious. Uh, The hymn writer writes this, Every joy or trial falleth from above, traced upon our dial by the Son of Love. Every joy or trial. And what that means is that whatever we encounter in the course of our daily lives has been placed there by our Heavenly Father and carries His purpose for us in it. Now, I mentioned workouts. Uh, what, mu- what makes muscles grow stronger? Well, it's weight resistance. Weight resistance. Uh, we, we push against something or pull and requires effort for us to move. And we can uh, understand faith as a muscle of sorts and the trial as that which offers weight resistance as we exercise faith so that our faith becomes stronger. So faith we can see as a muscle, the trial offers that weight resistance 
as we exercise faith so that our faith becomes stronger. Now, we can see this. Um, well, let me put it this way. Knowing trials carry God's purpose for us is why James says in verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, when James talks about trials, he's not talking about those nuisance difficulties, you know, like a fender bender uh, or locking ourselves out of our house. He has in mind not just the little things that are easy to grin and bear with. He's talking about the gamut of trials that we face in our lives, whether it be little or whether it be great. And he says that when we meet these trials, whatever trial it is, we are to meet it with joy. Now we can see this in the extreme with our Lord Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews says this, who for the joy... Now here, here He is, our Lord Jesus, facing the cross. And He says, Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. Now our Lord Jesus, His food, what He craved was to do the will of the Father. And so when He went to the cross, He experienced joy in this sense that he knew that he was doing the Father's will. Now, there were other reasons that our Lord Jesus had joy. For one thing, he was giving his life for us, his bride. But it was the Father's purpose that was his food and that delighted him in the most severe of trials that there could possibly be. And the trials that you and I face along the road of our lives, have been placed there by our Father in heaven. And they carry His perfect purposes for us and draw us closer to Him. All right, James, in verse 2, gives us a couple expressions to consider so that we can understand what it is He's talking about. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says this, Count it all joy, my brothers. Now, he's talking to believers. He says brothers. He's talking to the family of faith. The family of God. And he calls us, in encountering trials, to something that is counterintuitive. Now, when we look at a trial, often we cringe and we experience dread. But what James says is to consider it all joy. And to consider means this. It means to tell ourselves. We tell ourselves something. The psalmist takes that, does that trick too. He tells himself. He speaks to himself. He counsels himself. He reminds himself. And here we remind ourselves that this trial that, is, that I have met, this trial that I've encountered, is for me from God. It's not by accident. It's not without meaning. It carries the meaning for me, my Heavenly Father. Count it all joy, my brothers. The second expression is when you meet trials. 
Now, the word meet means to kind of like run into or to encounter. It's the same word that our Lord Jesus, you know, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and the Samaritan finds the, the guy who was beaten and, and robbed and half dead. That's he, it's the same word that Jesus used, used, uh, used, that James uses when he says that we meet trials. You don't find trials. They find you. And when you do, you're not merely to welcome them. You're to find joy in them. And James also says this. He says he speaks of these trials of various kinds. And that reminds us of this, that trials come in all shapes and sizes. Intensities, you know how, how difficult they are, and durations, how long they last. In fact, James in his letter is going to identify a number of trials that all of us can relate to. He's going to talk about persecution and prejudice and sickness and financial struggles and temptations. That's the first. He wants to know trials carry God's purposes for us. Second, trials produce results when managed through the perspective of faith. Trials produce results when managed through the perspective of faith. Um, one of the reasons I keep going to the Y, YMCA, one of the reasons I keep climbing on that treadmill uh, each day, each time I go, is I, as I know that it's good for me. And so what I'll do is I, I will remind myself of things that I know. Um, I, I'm getting exercise, I'm getting my heart going, uh, I'm building up good cholesterol. My cardiologist said there are two ways uh, to build up the HDL, uh, the good cholesterol, as opposed to the LDL, the bad cholesterol. The way you build up good cholesterol is by uh, exercise and red wine. So there I am on the, on the treadmill getting my exercise, and I've got my thermos right beside me. <laughs> got it covered. All right, so, so how... How do we coach ourselves to make the most of trials? What well, has to do with the outlook that we bring to bear? The outlook that we bring to bear. We need to remind ourselves of what James says in verse 3. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. I've got a friend uh, I play tennis with. He's an orthopedic surgeon. And uh, he, he wrote a book on, um, on muscles and pain, back pain and all that. And one of the things he's big on is stretching, stretching exercises. And that's just what James is talking to us about uh, here. Stretching exercises. Before exercise it's important to stretch. Before the exercise of faith, it is important to stretch. Now, what do we stretch? We stretch our minds, our understanding around the contours of God's Word. 
We stretch our faith according to what God wants us to know. In other words, the warm-up exercise for faith when facing trials is not done on a mat. It's done in our mind. You know, already, you may have noticed that James has given us two terms, two words related to the mind. In verse 2, he speaks of count. Count it all joy. And count there is to consider. Is to, it means to, to be of the opinion or to bring this outlook to govern. Now, in verse 3, he's given us another word for the mind where he says, for you know. In other words, this is your understanding. Make sure that you recognize this. And this, as we bring our mind to bear in these stretching exercises, we, get, we, we uh, prepare ourselves to handle the trial that God has brought to us. Now, what do we need to know? What exactly do we need to remind ourselves as this stretching exercise of faith, this warm-up exercise? Well, two things. First, we need to remind ourselves that the trial, in all its harshness, in all its difficulty, has come to us from the hand of our sovereign, loving, all-wise all good Father in heaven. Later in this chapter, in chapter 1, James is going to say this. He's going to say, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of change. And I think we can say, that James wants us to understand that the trials of our lives are gifts from our Father in heaven to us. Second thing we need to know, we need to remind ourselves that God has brought this trial to us, has set the weight level for us, so that it is tailored to our need where we are in our Christian walk. And He will give us grace not merely to survive it, but to thrive in it. And what that means for us as we face trials is this. Our approach to trials is not merely, it cannot be merely to get through it. It must be to grow through it. And when James says, for you know, in verse 3, he is giving us that stretching exercise for faith in dealing with trial. But this stretching exercise isn't just for the beginning of trial. It's not just as we prepare to engage or to make the most of the trial. It is something that we, the stretching is something that we need to, uh, to bring to bear throughout the trial. 
Something we need to keep reminding ourselves of. These things about God. This thing about the trial. We need to keep reminding ourselves of. In fact, we need a, a church family. We need brothers and sisters to help us to remember. As the, as the weight grows heavy, as the walls close in, we need to continue to remind ourselves. The, word, the way our, our translation here puts it is, uh, it says, um, verse 3, for you know. And actually, the, uh, the original there is a participle where it says, uh, in your knowing or knowing. And we need to keep this knowing ongoing. We need to keep it before us. It is something that is a command. It is something that is ongoing. We remind ourselves that this is from God for me, and He meets me where I am and is with me all the way. And that whether this trial, and He's talking to you, Christian. He's talking to me. Whether this trial is light or whether it is burdensome and bearing to the degree that it feels like our knees are going to buckle on it, we can handle it in Christ. The Apostle Paul, writing from prison to the Philippians, said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And this is a reminder for us as we turn to the book of James because the overarching theme of James is what? It's about faith. And we want to remember this. Faith is not in faith. We're not talking about faith as something that is self-existent. Faith has an object. Faith always rests in something. And what does our faith rest in? Jesus Christ. So that as we exercise faith, we are looking to Christ. We are learning of Christ. We are leaning on Christ. Well, what does James say in verse 3 that the trial will produce? He says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness. Or another way that could be translated is endurance. Will produce endurance. As I've gotten older, I've uh, discovered uh, something. I can do, still do pretty well at lifting heavy things. But you know what? I can't hold them as long as I used to. I can still lift them, but I cannot hold them because I don't have that muscle endurance that I used to. James says that the exercise of faith in the trial we encounter will train us to persevere, to endure for the long haul in the race set before us. All right. Trials carry God's purposes for us. Second, trials produce results when managed through the perspective of faith. And thirdly, finally, trials offer the promise of maturity in Christlikeness. Trials offer the promise of maturity in Christ-likeness. Um, one of the ways of getting people to sign up for these health and fitness programs is uh, they will give you a visual. They'll give you two pictures. 
You'll see this on Facebook or other advertising kinds of things. You'll see a picture like of a guy who's uh, way, way overweight and uh, put beside him uh, the, or another picture of him is the same guy who's lost 70, 80, 100 pounds. And you'll see that, that before and the after. Or you'll see a guy you know, without a shirt and he's got a, a, a belly that looks like a keg. And beside him, is another, beside that picture, is another picture of him with a belly that looks like a six-pack. Those pictures, the before and the after, those pictures get people excited about what could be. They motivate. They, these, those pictures, seeing the after picture, make people willing to endure the hardship they are facing. The hardship of diet. The hardship of exercise. Well, James takes the same approach for us in dealing with the trials we face. Look at verse 4. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete Lacking in nothing. And see what James does is he shows us the picture, the full effect of persevering faith. Now, actually, uh, when James says he uses the word uh, it may be perfect and complete, actually he uses the word perfect two times in this text. Uh, the first one, our, our translation puts full effect. Actually, that's the same word as in perfect. So it's to let and have its perfect effect that you may be perfect and complete. Now, what, what's meant by that? Perfect has in mind a goal. It has in mind a finished product. And to drive it home, James gives us a, uh, puts it positively and he puts it negatively. Positively, uh, positively, he says that um, we will be complete. Negatively, lacking in nothing. What came to my mind was that thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle you're working on. You know, it's been sitting on the table for a while. You're continuing to work on it. And perfect means that, uh, positively, it means that all of the pieces will be accounted for and every piece will be in place. Negatively saying, not one piece will be missing. What's James talking about? What, what, what is this full, this perfect effect that he's talking about? He's talking about this. He's talking about God's workmanship of grace in our lives and the outcome of our faith to grow us in Christ-likeness. The Apostle Paul gives the same perspective in his letter to the Romans. Um, church at Rome, you know how when bad things happen, like, like trials, when bad things happen and someone will... Uh, will come alongside and try to comfort, and they'll quote Romans 8.28. You ever had that happen to you? Or They'll say, and we know, that, um, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good 
for those who are called according to his purpose. And we ask ourselves, how, how can what I'm going through be good? How can this hospitalization from COVID be good? How can this financial disaster in my life be good? Well, it's good when you hear the rest of the story. Paul goes on from Romans 8.28 in Romans 8.29 to say this, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. See, the full effect of the trial, the finished product of this workstation, that God has brought to our lives is found in complete conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. In perfect godliness and holiness. In fact, talking about puzzles, if you're going to look at the the picture on the puzzle box that you're putting the pieces together for, that's that's what it would be. A picture of godliness and holiness in conformity to Jesus Christ. That's what God's up to in the trials we face. Trials are the workout stations for our faith by which we grow in the likeness of our Lord Jesus. Through trials, this is one of the ways or other ways, through trials, Christ is formed in us. You know, when you hear that, it's no wonder that James says to consider it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Well, let me bring this home. A child of God, saint, holy one of the Lord, brothers and sisters in Christ, people of faith, what are you dealing with in your life right now? I know you're here this morning, and, but there's a lot going on. A lot going on inside. What adversity are you dealing with? Perhaps it's a severe health problem. Or maybe some sudden financial disaster. Or maybe you're enduring a heart-wrenching divorce. Perhaps it's a son or daughter who has walked away from the faith. Perhaps it's a bully in school. And here you are, you're just starting your summer vacation and you're already dreading going back in September. What is it? Whatever it is, I encourage you in our Lord's teaching through James this morning by way of the title of this message. The title of this message is Take on Trials. And it cuts two ways. One, take on trials. And that asks the question, What is your take? What position will you take? What outlook will you bring to bear on the trial that you are facing right now? What will you stretch your faith around that you might understand this trial as something that is for your good and God's glory? That's the first. What is your take on trials? The second thing is... uh, Take on trials. Take on trials. And that says, how will you take the trial on? How will you deal with the trial that you face? I think there are three options. 
Do you resist the trial? Do you resist it? Grumbling and complaining, fighting all the way, maybe even cursing God? Or do you resign yourself to the trial, saying, hey, what what can you do? Que sera, sera. Or do you do as God has directed you this morning? Do you rejoice in the trial, receiving them from the hand of your Father in heaven with thanksgiving and great expectation? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, O Lord, that you have drawn us to your side and you have taught us these things this morning. Lord, we can only accomplish this through the strength that you give, through the grace that you provide. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bring these things to mind, that you would Assure us of your presence with us and your purpose for us. And Lord, may you be glorified in the way that we approach the trials that you have brought to us. And may we, by your Spirit, grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.